Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Um, does anybody here remember Italia 90? Italia 90. I was, I was 15, and Welsh football wasn't really, international football wasn't anywhere. It was totally in the doldrums. A bit like Welsh rugby at the moment. It's very sad times for me at the moment. And um, Italia 90. I was really excited. Bobby Robson was the manager of England. England had, not only did they have a great team, they had a great theme too. World in Motion by New Order, with John Barnes and rapping. You've got to hold and give, but do it at the right time. You could be slow or fast, but you must get to the line. <laughs> there is more. No, come on. They'll always hit you and hurt you. No. <laughs> it was a great team. Peter Shilton in goal. And they, I mean, I think he was probably our 78, but he was still like a cat. And they had John Barnes, they had Gary Lineker, they had David Platy Platt, the king of the volley, and they had their talisman, Paul Gascoigne, probably one of the greatest ever England players, possibly one of the greatest ever players. And England amazingly made it to the semi-final of the World Cup. Can you believe it? And I remember watching the game, they were playing their arch rivals, Germany. Hey, hey, hey. This is an anti-German thing, okay? Wonderful people. But they were playing Germany, their arch rivals. And in the middle of the game, Paul Gascoigne picked up a yellow card. He went in and he tackled Thomas Berholt. And Thomas Berholt, being the gentleman that he was, when he got a tap from Paul Gascoigne, dropped like a sack of potatoes and rolled around like he'd been shot by a sniper. And the referee issued a yellow card to Paul Gascoigne. And that might seem not very significant, but that yellow card meant this. Paul Gascoigne would miss the World Cup final if England were to make it to the World Cup final. And it broke him. He was a man who wore his heart on his sleeve. He was a creative genius, absolutely brilliant, broken in so many ways, but a wonderful player. And one of the people that he admired more than anybody else, probably the man he admired most of all in his life, was Sir Bobby Robson. They had this special relationship and team captain, you might have heard of him, Gary Lineker. Anyone heard of Gary? <laughs> Sells crisps. <laughs> Gary Lineker, the England captain. And, and this is the moment that I'm going to, if you could just put this up, this gif is exactly what happened. Does anybody remember this? Any lip readers in the room? Have a word. Have a word with him. Have a word with him. Because Gary Lineker knew, I can't do anything about this. Paul Gascoigne is broken. And only one person can speak to him that will make a difference. It's Bobby. Have a word. And that's my message this morning. Have a word. You know, God wants us to be people that have the words that are necessary to transform broken situations and in individuals. That we are men and women of the word. And that's my message this morning. Have a word. You know, Rita's encouraged us this morning about the significance of the word. Talking, you know, but by faith. Faith comes by hearing the word and there's that big whopping shield that protects us we also wield within that the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and Josiah had us encouraging from Psalm 118 to shout joyfully and to declare things into the atmosphere and we declare the promises and the word of God that's what Will brought from Psalm 145 we declare his promises what are his promises they are his word I've loved reading through the book of Acts this month has anybody had a chance to get, mainly keep up with reading through the book of Acts? Is it, maybe we should close our eyes and bow our heads before we do the hands thing. 
Reading a chapter a day. Will's done a brilliant job on Facebook. Every day, just putting a, what have you got out of, of, of this chapter of Acts today? Just teed it all up, and then there's been loads of great insights and, and messages from different people in the church. And I've loved seeing that, and that's something I'd like us to continue the momentum of that I'll talk about later on. But in reading the book of Acts that David set up for us when he began this year with the This Is Us series, three fantastic messages to really nail our colors to the mask and say, this is who we are. We are spirit-filled we are Bible-believing, and we are kingdom-advancing. Spirit-filled, Bible-believing, kingdom-advancing. And then he said lots of different things and basically said this, and now the elders will pick this stuff up for, for me. And we were like, oh, cheers. Thank you, Davis, Leob. But we were going to, by the way, during lockdown, when we, were, when we were doing the online church, I don't know if anybody ever noticed that Dave, David Lyon's sign-in name was Davis Leob. I think there was a typo the first time he did it, and it just kept coming up, Dav- Davis Leob. <laughs> Sorry, it's just a source of food. It's lockdown, lockdown fun. You've got to find it where you can get it in lockdown. <laughs> but that we are spirit-filled, Bible-believing, and kingdom-advancing, and, and then encouraged us to read through the book of Acts, 28 chapters through the month of February, 28 days. It was a glorious, beautiful coincidence, which is exactly the same as my next reading plan I'm going to talk about later on. And I, it was, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed going through Acts and reading it in a fresh way. Because I've actually read Acts a lot of times through. And I've read, it, read different parts of Acts many, many times. And when I was at Bible school, one of, the, one of our questions was to talk about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And so that's always helped to sort of shape me and think about the kingdom advance through the church, the birth of the church, the advance of the church, the preaching of the gospel by the power of the person of the Holy Spirit and him working through the church. So for me, it's been a, a kingdom advancing and a spirit-filled book, but I've never really picked up on the word element of it so much. And as I've read it again this, this month, I've seen how powerful the word is. Time and again, the word is being spread, the word is being preached, the word is being accepted, and it's transforming the world. The word transforms the world. It's transformed our lives, and it transforms the world. And when I was reading again through, if you go to Acts 1, just, just turn the pages with me if you would, of Acts. Acts 1. The first time that we see the believers look back at the word, the disciples, is when they, they realize that Judas Iscariot has committed suicide and they pull really kind of, in my opinion, quite abstract verses to determine the fact that A, his house is desolate and B, they need to replace him. One is from Acts, uh, sorry, one is from Psalm 68, the other is from Psalm 109. They pull these two verses, and it's like in the pool of the word that they know, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit highlights Psalm 68, let his house become desolate, and Psalm 109, now we need to find a replacement that will replace him, someone else to take his position. And as a result of that, Matthias is appointed as the new 12th man, somebody who's been with them since the beginning. And it's just a very interesting little picture of these guys who know the word and the Holy Spirit highlighting two verses from two different parts of one book and it leading them to make a decision there and then and what they do next. I just find that quite intriguing. And then the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. They pour out onto the streets 
of Jerusalem, speaking in tongues. A big crowd gathers, think they're all drunk. Peter stands up and preaches a gospel that he's never preached before. Peter had not prepared this gospel message. He hadn't been sitting in his study for days crafting a message. He was with the other believers praying, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and he's inspired by the Spirit to draw from verses all over the Old Testament. So he goes to Joel 2 about the Lord pouring out his Spirit on all flesh. Then he picks up something from Psalm 16, and then he goes to Psalm 110, and, and Peter's riffing with this knowledge of the scriptures that he's got, and the Holy Spirit is taking specific words, and it's applicable to the audience at hand. And then you go forward into Acts 3. Now Peter and John walk into the temple, and they meet the man who's begging, and they, they heal him, they lift him up, and it says, as the man was clinging to Peter and John, a crowd gathered. And what does Peter do? He's got an opportunity here to preach the gospel and so he preaches the gospel but now he refers to two scriptures in Deuteronomy and one in Leviticus and then he goes back to Genesis and you think wow Peter you were a fisherman but you knew the word you really did know the word and then later on in the council of Jerusalem in, in uh, Acts 4 they're in trouble they're being told off for preaching the gospel and what does Peter do he preaches the gospel and he starts to pull other verses from from Psalms and you just think, wow, this, the, the word of God is just pouring out of these disciples. It's like they, a squeeze is put on them, and what comes out? The word. And I felt challenged by the Holy Spirit to say, is that your experience? Is that, do you know the word so that when, it's sque when you're squeezed or when there's an opportunity, the word comes out of you? And I believe that for us that, that is the case. But as I looked on through, and I think actually it was Acts 12 where the impact and the flowing out of the word really jumped out at me. And then I look back through it. But just listen to these references as we go. Acts 6, verse 7. Acts 6. Uh, no, I've got, well, God's message. It might not be Acts 6, actually. But one of the what Acts. God's message, or the word, continued to spread. And the number of believers greatly increased. Acts 8. So that was in Jerusalem. Acts 8. When the apostles in Jerusalem had heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message or the word, they sent Peter and John there. Philip the evangelist had gone out. People had responded. They'd been saved and baptized. And there was a stir happening in Samaria that made it all the way back to Jerusalem. So they sent the big guns out to check it out. Peter and John go. And the first question they ask when they meet these new believers, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's their first question. And they pray for them to be baptized in the Spirit. But the truth was the word had got out into Samaria. And then in Acts 11, verse 1, we'll come back to this soon. It says, soon after news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God, they wanted an explanation. But it turns out that the word of God had got all the way through to the Gentiles. Jerusalem, the word spread. Into Samaria, it spread. Word got back to Judea that the word had spread into the Gentiles. And so we see Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth being impacted by the word of God. It's amazing. The word is spreading. Acts 11 is probably about seven years after Pentecost. But the word is spreading. Acts 12, 24. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread and there were many new believers. Acts 13, 44. The following week, almost the entire city, this is Antioch, turned out to hear them. That's Paul and Barnabas. They turned out to hear them do what? Preach the word of the Lord. Acts 13, 49, just a little bit later on in this same chapter. So the Lord's message or the word spread throughout that region. 
That's Antioch. So now we've gone Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into Cornelius' area, northwest towards Antioch. And now it's about to go even further north into Asia Minor. Because Acts 19 says, this went on. Paul is discussing at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And he's there for two years. And it says this, all the people throughout the province of Asia. Listen to this. All the people throughout the province of Asia, Jews and Gentiles, heard the word of the Lord. And then Acts 19.20. So the message about the word spread widely and had a powerful effect. The word, the word, the word. The word was spread. The word was spoken. The word was accepted. The word spread. The word, the word was spoken. The word spread. The word was accepted. And time and again we see that. And I've never really been caught so much with how significant and powerful the spread of the word was through the church and through the disciples. In 1 John, uh, 1 John 2, 14, it says, let the word of God, may the word of God dwell in you richly. May it May it be present, constantly present within you. May it continue to be present, the word of God. Yesterday's word is not enough for me. It's got to continually be present. I need to keep bringing it back to my mind. You know, the Holy Spirit loves to work with the word, so we have to give him something to work with. We have to have the word. We need to have the word in us. That the Holy Spirit helps me and has helped me to read the word because sometimes it's a challenge. In fact, a lot of the time it can be a challenge to, to take time aside and to read the Bible. There are a lot of other things that are a lot easier to do or sometimes feel more pressing than opening my Bible. Does anybody recognize that truth? Please put your hand up because otherwise I'm by myself and I'm really bad. Thank you. But to have a hunger for the word. And David shared when we were about being Bible-believing, we've been praying for a hunger for the word. And let that be a continued prayer that I, I have and that we have. And that when we have the word, then the Spirit says, now I've got something to work with. Now I can draw that out of you just at the right time. Because you've got this deposit. You've got this armory and I can pull this weapon at the right moment. I can draw this out of you. But we have to have the word in us. And, and one of the things that I was struck by that sort of precedes a lot of these word spreading moments and activities is this prayer in Acts 4 the prayer of the believers in Acts 4 if you could put that slide up please this prayer of, the, of God's people give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word your logos and then after this so there's a, this is Acts uh, missing out Acts uh, 4.30 the next verse 31 says after this the meeting place if you could just go back for me please Nathaniel thank you the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness let me just close our eyes for a moment because I want that to just for us to make this our prayer this morning Lord we ask that as your servants that you would give us a fresh boldness Lord in speaking your word a fresh boldness in speaking your word because, Lord, we recognize there are many times when your word is opposed to the world's views. And we pray for fresh boldness. And, Lord, we ask that you'd fill us with your spirit so that, Lord, that we can preach your word with grace and truth and with boldness, Lord, to those who are in desperate need of it, that we would be those who are faithful in speaking your word. Amen. Amen. You know, the, the, the fact was that these guys, the disciples, Peter and Paul 
and all the other disciples and the church as a whole had this deposit, this foundation of the word in their lives. And for those of you who don't know me, I, I trained to be, and I worked for 10 years as a physiotherapist. And uh, I trained at Cardiff University, and I went uh, there to study straight from A-levels. Um, I knew it was the, the job that I wanted to do, and um, spent my, my three years there. But the first year of physio school is, uh, is full on. It's really full on. It's that your weeks are full, and that's with assignments and everything else on top. And I remember getting to different points in the year and thinking, I just want to give up now because this is too much. And uh, I think it was one point where I was I phoned my parents at home and said I was I was struggling with it. But it was actually not wanting to disappoint them <laughs> that made me kind of stick at it for a while. Not because they made it, played any emotional blackmail with me. I just didn't want to let them down. You know, they're not they're, they're lovely people. Please don't beat me later, Dad. No, <laughs> no they're lovely people. And, but, but I just I found it really tough. You, 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 the first year is anatomy. You go through all of the skeleton, all of the major bony landmarks. You look at every origin and insertion of every major muscle, so where every tendon starts from and goes, where every muscle goes. And as soon as you get, Rich, as soon as you get into the hand and the feet and, and all of those parts of the body, it, goes, it just goes crazy, doesn't it? The amount of detail... Um, where every nerve went, how the joints were put together, which joints moved, which didn't, what sort of ligaments they were, where the ligaments lay, and, and all of these different parts of anatomy. Then on top of that, physiology, how all of this works together. Then kinesiology, which is about levers and mechanics and movements. And I was like, why am I looking at kinesiology? And then pathology and what can go wrong. And, and the first year just felt really dry, like a lot of just information, a lot of stuff just to learn and memorize and, and kind of get into my head. And I was like, I didn't buy into this. I wanted to do something that was practical and helpful and, and involved getting, getting alongside people and, and, you know, in a good way, getting my hands on people and helping them. And, but when I got to my second year and my third year, of course, all of these things that had been built into me in my first year were so important. They were the foundations with which everything else, from which everything else flowed. And then when I qualified and I started to work and I specialized after a few years into outpatients, which was predominantly sports injuries, and all of that stuff that I did in my first year back in 1993 in Cardiff, in 2003, were really important, really relevant for me. And I had to keep going back sometimes. If I knew a patient was going to come in with temporal mandibular joint problems, I'm like, why are you coming to see me? Seriously, like, I only do knees. No, but... And, but you'd go back and you'd look at your anatomy again. But because you had that basic foundation, it was very quick. And all of a sudden, those things came back to your mind. How much more so with the Word of God? Yes, you know the times that you might have gone to the Word and it's felt a bit dry? Or it's felt like hard work? I just want to say this. It's never been wasted. If we only ever come to the Word thinking, unless I get something out of this here and now and I get a buzz from reading it, I'm not going to bother, then I'm sorry. But we don't do that with anything else in life. We don't do that with our relationships. We don't do that with our work. We don't do that with the things that we devote ourselves to. Even the things that we choose to do with our spare time, we don't do that with. And yet, it's like, unless the word jumps out at me and I get a buzz from heaven, I'm not going to read it anymore. No. This is the foundation for my life. And whatever I've read, even if it was hard work, even if I maybe even thought, I can't quite remember what I just read. The fact that I spent time and read it, I believe this. God will honor that. And I will have built something into my life that God will use later down the line. And it might be next week or it might be next year, but it's in. The important thing is I took it in. And now the Holy Spirit has something to work with. I just want to encourage us with that fact because 
I think there are many times I've come away from reading the Bible and I'm not quite sure what it's done for me, if I'm honest. But then later down the line, amazingly, all of a sudden, something that I read will come back to my mind. And it wasn't for me, it was for somebody else, but it helped them. Isn't that a beautiful thing? When we read about the Word of God, the word that's used um, predominantly in the New Testament is the word logos. It might be familiar to some of us, the word logos. And the word logos is a message generally. It's also used to describe Jesus specifically. John particularly uses this word logos to describe Jesus, the living word, the word of God. And the word logos is also used to refer to the word in its entirety, the prophetic, the Old Testament, because predominantly that's all that they had available in the New Testament was the old to to, to draw from. We're even better off than the church in Acts. We've got the New Testament to draw from as well. And then the other word that's used less commonly, so 360 times probably in the New Testament, word logos, used, as I say, generally for words, also for Jesus, and then for the word of God. The other word that's used is rima, R-H-E-M-A, rima, it's up on the screen. And that refers to a specific utterance or word to an individual or a group, but it's specific. And again, that can be just a conversation or it can relate to the word of God being brought to us for a specific situation. And when the Bible is described as the sword, two verses that the Bible is described as a sword, talked about them last week, they're Hebrews 4, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and basically reveal our motives and, and our desires. And the other one is in Ephesians 6, it talks about the word of God being the sword of the spirit. And in Hebrews 4, The word is logos. The the logos of God is living and active. And Ephesians 6, it's the rima is like a two-edged sword. And that word sword that's used in both, the word is makaira or makaira. It's it's because I'm Welsh. You can speak all languages if you're Welsh. Even Hebrew, makaira. Can you say makaira? Now please wipe the person's back. Makaira. And it means a large knife or a small sword, double-edged, sharp. It's actually referred to as a, uh, as a fisherman's knife, as I mentioned last week, I think. And it's the knife that Peter used to slice off this, uh, Malchus's ear in the garden. And then Jesus pops it back on. It's one of those like, little throwaway things. Chop off, pop on. And I think, maybe I, I, in my mind, I always imagine Jesus putting it on upside down. Malchus could never wear glasses again. No, he didn't. He put it on right. He put it on right. But the general word and then the specific word. And we need both in our lives. The, the logos, if you like, is the well. And the rima is the, the cup that scoops out that part of the well that we need for that moment. And it just impacts us right where we need it. And I shared last week when I was asked about coming into eldership a number of years ago now. And, and I said no initially because I, I didn't want that responsibility. And then Sarah came faithfully with a verse from Romans 12, verse 8, if God has given you the gift of leadership, take the responsibility seriously. And as I read that, it was a word I'd read many times before in Romans, and of course we're all called to lead, that's the general word, that's, we're all called to lead in every area of life as believers, with the head and not the tail. But in this specific situation, it was the Rima word of God to say, now you need to take this specific role of responsibility seriously. It's time to step up. And in that moment, the word of God cut through my life. 
And the soulish part of me was cut away. The bit that was like, I don't want to do it. It's too much like hard work. I'm not good enough. There's lots of other people better qualified than me. Not me, Lord. So that was cut away in that moment. And all of a sudden, the spirit was left to say, now do it. And the word of God made this specific cut into my life at that point that set the course of my life. I talked last week about the mirror and the sword, um, the lamp and the, and the rock, and how that word was all four things to me. But what I'd just like to do is, is just pick up two instances in, in Acts, if you're okay to do that with me, where we just look at the Rema and the Logos working together. I just want to pull one or two things out from this, and then we'll, we'll just close with what, what I'd like us to do over the coming couple of months. But if you could turn up Acts 11 for me, please. Acts 11. <clears throat> Just going to read uh, verses 1 uh, down to verse 18. So this is the, this is the instance I mentioned earlier where the, the word of God had spread to the Gentiles. And, and Peter's recounting this visit to a man called Cornelius' home. Cornelius was a Roman officer, a very good man. And uh, God had teed up this meeting between Peter and Cornelius. So in Acts 11 verse 1, soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the Logos, the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and you even ate with them, they said. Then Peter told them exactly what happened. I was in the town of Joppa, he said, and while I was praying, I went into a trance and I saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles and birds, and I heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I replied. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice from heaven spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This happened three times before the sheet and all it contained was pulled back up to heaven. Just then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me and we soon entered the home of the man who had been sent for, uh, who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and told him, send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you, or he will have a word for you. That's the word, Rima. He will have a word for you about how you and everyone in your household can be saved. As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words, the Lord's Rima, when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. It's an amazing story. Is there anybody here Jewish by birth? No? Then... This is so significant for every single person in this room because this was the point when the word spread outside of Judaistic believers to everybody else in the whole of the world. This is a turning point for us because all of a sudden the word of God was received by those who were not born as Jews and the whole world was opened up by this, this doorway into one man's house 
And it happens how? Through the word. The word of God. The word of God is so powerful. The logos of God is powerful. The reamer of God is powerful. To know the fullness of the word. That when Peter went, that they brought the fullness of the word into that situation. And as they came, the, the angel of the Lord said to Cornelius, Peter's going to come and he's going to have a word. And what is the word? Repent. Be baptized. The same words that Peter and his disciples had heard from Jesus in Acts 1, 5 and 6. And so the Rima comes, the Logos comes, and then Acts 13, if you could just jump forward into Acts 13. This isn't Peter anymore, it's Paul. In fact, it's Paul and Barnabas. And um, they've just been commissioned and sent from Antioch. Thank you. Tim. And they've done a full circuit and they've come back to Antioch. And when they're in Antioch, they go to the synagogue and they, they do something very important. They preach the word. And, as, and here's the thing. They've, Paul's been speaking and preaching the word. And where has he gone to in his, in his preach? He's gone to 1 Samuel. He's gone to Isaiah. He's gone to Psalms. He's even snuck into Habakkuk. Ooh, cheeky little sneak into Habakkuk. Who saw that come in? He knew Habakkuk. That's just one of the minor prophets. Minor means they're not as important. Not at all. The whole word. Every part of the word. Peter preached from Leviticus. Peter preached from Deuteronomy. Jesus was a massive fan of Deuteronomy. He would often, when he's tempted by Satan, he goes to Deuteronomy time and again in the wilderness. We need to know the fullness of the word. And Paul and Barnabas, it says in verse 42 left the synagogue that day and the people begged them to speak about these things the next week. I mean, that's got to be an encouragement for a preacher. (laughs) Please come back and say some more. But they said, come back with the Rima. That's what they are asking for. We've heard something today that specifically for us, come back with more of the Rima. That's the word that's used there, that they would come back with with the Rima uh, to to speak to them, the Rima, the following week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. This is verse 43 of Acts 13. Many Jews and devoted converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God and listen to the podcast. And the following week, almost, just checking, almost the entire city, listen to this, please. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the Logos, the word of God, word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the Logos, the word to you Jews, but since you've rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we'll offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. Praise God. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. They were very glad and thanked the Lord for his logos, for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message, the logos, spread throughout that region. The word will spread. All God says is, have a word. Be prepared to have a word. And how do we do that? By having the word in us. So the Holy Spirit has something to take out of us. There are a number of times when people have shared with me a word that God has given. Mal Evans. Mal, you told me once, you you felt God say to you, 
Um, I only do what I see my father doing. This is what Jesus says. And at that point for you, the Holy Spirit took that word and he said, I want you to be an example to your boys, to your sons. Now that's a word that God had just taken and brought life to Mal. That he was like, I'm going to be an example. I'm going to be a father that my sons want to be like. And you've done that, Mal. I honor you for that. But the word of God in that moment came. The Rima, word of God. In, um, um, I, I spoke to somebody just this week. And, and he, he said it's okay for me to share this this morning. If you, if you guys know Ben and Danny that have been coming recently. Ben had a really bad stammer when he was in his teens. He developed it in his teens. And it, he became locked in by this, this, this stutter, this stammer that he had. Um, and, and then one, one time he was praying and he was in a meeting and somebody came up to him and read Isaiah 32.4 that says, the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. And God spoke to him in that moment and it released something in him. And from that point, his stutter diminished. And now he's, he is, still has to do things, but, he, but it, for him, that was a word that's just sustained him from his teens. Now he's in his 30s. It's the Rima word of God. I just think, however faithful, how faithful that person was that brought him that word. That's been life to him for years, for decades. I remember being in a situation where we were in the weekend program, and a young lady stood up and she said, I had issues around depression, anxiety, and suicide. And I had counseling, and she said, and I had, a, I had Christian friends praying for me. And this, this lady was a believer at the time, but she said, but one day I was desperate, and I just started reading, and in Psalms I read one verse, and it's just unlocked my life. And it's transformed my thinking. And now I don't have those thoughts anymore. It's been years since I've had those thoughts. And it was the word of God, the Rima word that she read through Psalms that unlocked that situation for her. I want to honor Nick and Ruth. Um, here today, Nick. And Ruth stood up here last Sunday and said the word of God from Psalm 112 that has been life to them is that the righteous don't fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. And we agree with you this morning. We agree with you this morning, the word of God. The word of God is living and it's active and it's powerful and it brings life to us. We need the word. Jesus relied on the word. We see him in the wilderness. What does he speak? The word. We see him confronted by the Pharisees. What does he speak? The word. He's confronted by sickness and sin. The word. Even on the cross, they aren't his words. When he said, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? He's quoting Psalm 22. When he says it's finished, he's quoting Psalm into, my, into your hands I commit my spirit it's Psalm 90 to 22 it's the psalm of the cross He's, even then they aren't his words they're the logos that are in him becoming the rima that's, that's the source of life and strength for him in that moment how much more us I've just been so blessed to see the word impact those around me I, I remember talking to somebody at the gym and they were saying they had an issue with a colleague at work and I said well the Bible says Jesus says this if you have an issue with your brother go to them and talk to them about it. It's in Matthew, Matthew 5, and it's in Matthew 18, and it's in Luke 17. And, and so they went and they did that. And they said, you know what, I had that conversation, and actually it's resolved it. I was going to talk to my manager about it, but actually I went straight to them and talked to them about it. And it, I was like, that's the Bible. That wasn't my advice. That's Jesus' advice, but the word was there. I remember talking to another lady, and she was, um, she was a head teacher, and she was asking me about my job and how I got paid. And I said, well, actually I'm supported by the church. And she said, well, how does that work? I said, well, there's a principle in the Bible called tithing. And it's talked about in the book of Malachi. And it talks about bringing a tithe, bringing a tenth to the storehouse. And we see the church is the storehouse. I got all biblical on her. Oh, no, Malachi 3. And I said, and from that resource, the, I tithe, everybody in the church tithes. 
and that comes into the storehouse and that meets my needs to be able to release me and others to minister and it also meets needs in the church as they arise and in the community as they arise and she said to me well that makes sense praise the lord get her baptized she's a head teacher now another lady about uh, numerous occasions where romans 10 has come back and talking to somebody about how they they give their lives to jesus that we know the word so that when the opportunity comes to lead somebody into salvation we lead them in the word what does the word say about how they're born again about healing to lay hands on the sick we know that's in the word and and Again, I was talking to a guy at the gym and he was struggling with all sorts of issues. And I said, it's okay if I pray with you because the Bible says if we lay hands on the sick, Jesus says it'll be good for them. They'll be, they'll be made well and we've got to pray with them. And just time and again, the word works. That we have the word in us. And so I have a, a corporate challenge for us, personal and a corporate challenge in closing. Can you put the next slide up for me, please? <clears throat> I was thinking about a realistic and enjoyable foray into the New Testament that we could do together. If anybody's up for it, I'm going to do it. And if you'd like to join me, I would love that. Wednesday is uh, St. David's Day, 1st of March. I know you'll all be wearing your daffodils and leeks. Uh, 1st of March is a Wednesday. The 31st of May is a Wednesday. And in between that time are 13 uh, weeks, I think it is. I can't remember. But what, what I do know is this that if we start on the 1st of March and we finish on the 31st of May, we can read 20 chapters a week, which equates to about 12 minutes a day. We will read through all of the New Testament in three months. The whole New Testament in three months would equate to 12 minutes a day or 20 chapters a week. And my encouragement, my exhortation, my desire, my request, my plea, is that as many of us do this together as possible, I want to be great if we read 20 chapters a week. We don't try and rush ahead, but we just stay within those 20 chapters as a church. So we know from the 1st of March to the 8th of March, Wednesday to Wednesday, we'll read Matthew 1 to Matthew 20 together. And some of us might get towards the end of 20 quicker than others, but by the end of that week, we know that together we'll have read those first 20 chapters of Matthew. The same word will have been coming into the church, into us as a family. The same word will be on our lips as we meet together in life groups or just in conversations with one another where we can encourage one another in the word. I'm really stirred by this thought. And that by the end of May, within three months, we will have read all of the New Testament from the beginning of Matthew to the end of Revelation and the contents page because you get a bonus day. (laughs) That's my encouragement. And so what we will do, what I will do, is we'll arrange that every Wednesday... A little email will go out to say, please, this week we'll be reading from this to this together. Just as a little prompt, so you have a little thing pop up. I know sometimes emails can get a little bit overlooked or become a bit swamped by emails, so if that's okay. But I will do that just so that we are aware of what our next week's reading chapters are and that we read those, those chapters together. Does that sound okay? Because as we get the logos in us, the rima will be at hand for us to bring the word and have a word whenever God wants us to speak a word for ourselves and for others, for believers and non-believers. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can we just stand together? I just want to close in prayer. We can't be Bible-believing if we're not Bible-reading. Can't be Bible-believing if we're not Bible-reading. And I, I always appreciate practical ways to help me with some of the disciplines, and I believe this is one that will be really helpful for me and, and, I, and I hope for many others as well. Lord, we just want to say thank you for your word. 
Lord, we thank you for um, so many things that we enjoy in our lives, Lord. We thank you that we have the opportunity to do things in our leisure time, to listen to music, to watch TV, to read, to do crosswords, to, um, to, to be aware of the things that are going on in the world around us, just to do things that we enjoy. But Lord, we don't want any of those things to steal the time where we can be spending them reading your word, Lord. Lord, we don't want them to replace the time that's more in, way more significant in just being in your word. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd give us a fresh hunger for the word of God together this morning. You've written it, Holy Spirit, you've inspired it. You're in it. You're living and you're active through it. You've spoken many words to us from your word that have helped us. And we just ask, Lord, that as we remember those things, that it will cause us to have a fresh desire to read your word together. We ask, Lord, that we'd encourage one another in your word. We ask, Lord, that you would highlight words for us that will bring life to those around us. Bring even people to salvation, we pray, Lord. That by your word, healing would come. That by your word, peace would come. That by your word, relationships would be restored. Because, Lord, your word is living and active. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And, Lord, we thank you that it's powerful and it's effective in transforming and saving lives, Lord. So, Lord, we just say thank you for your word. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.